Welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup Podcast, where we discuss the financial challenges and opportunities facing medical professionals. In this podcast, we'll discuss a variety of financial topics that are important to physicians, such as retirement planning, investing, and estate planning. We'll also interview experts in the financial services industry to get their insights on these topics. If you're a physician or a spouse of a physician, I encourage you to listen to this podcast. We will provide you with the information you need to make sound financial decisions and achieve your financial goals. Here's your host, Brent Bowden, a financial coach and certified financial planning advisor with over 15 years of experience helping medical professionals achieve their financial goals. To learn more about Brent Bowden and his services, visit brentbowden.com. Welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup Podcast, where we help medical professionals on their journey to financial freedom. I'm your host, Brent Bowden, and today we have a truly special guest with us. We're joined by none other than Vince Shore, the CEO of the National Financial Educators Council. Vince is a leading expert in the field of financial literacy and education, and in this episode, we'll be delving into a vital topic that affects individuals at an early stage of life, financial literacy, from youth all the way through retirement. So whether you're a medical student looking to manage your debt, a seasoned practitioner planning for retirement, or anyone in between, stay tuned because this conversation is bound to provide you with valuable insights and guidance for all your financial health needs. Let's dive right in. I'd like to welcome Vince Shore to the show today. Brent, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on and look forward to talking a little bit more about financial literacy today. Yeah, it's a topic I'm passionate about. I wish I was taught about money at an earlier age, so I'd avoid a lot of hard times early in life, college debt, all those fun things. But I'm glad to be able to help your audience here today. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. What's your background in in financial literacy and uh, what, I guess, brought you that passion? Yeah, I always had an interest in money from a child, always working, doing some odd jobs, selling cans and in, in, in lizards and in collecting cans and so forth. Um, and I remember in school just being bored to death with what they were teaching me. It, most of it did not apply to me. I'd say 80% did not apply. So I was always in the back of the class reading my dad's investing books. Um, and then I got into financial services after college as a way to really uh, help people. Um, I did get into college debt and got behind the eight ball a bit early on. Um, and I want to help other people and, and, and help them learn what I knew, right? Um, and uh, that was a great project for me. And that was about 15 years of my life. Um, but I felt at the end of that, I was just putting Band-Aids on many of the issues. So I ended up find, uh, founding this company, the National Financial Educators Council, really to help people proactively. When we were founded, we were focused on youth and kids. Uh, now we serve all ages, but that was really the passion and the impetus for uh, finding this company. And uh, now we're uh, in every state across the U.S., 60 countries, and helping people build and scale local financial wellness programs. That's fantastic. It, it is amazing how much financial literacy is such a critical skill to our daily lives, and yet it's not part of a lot of the curriculum that we learn either from our family, through school, and it really takes us getting out to the real world to to learn. And a lot of people go through the same type of heartaches that you, you're talking about. So how do you start to bridge that gap? Uh, you know, whether you're just starting in school or as an adult to really start to learn about your finances, what, 
what key things do you need to, to learn about? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the beauty of personal finance, it's rather simplistic, right? It's not rocket science. It's a very easy topic to learn. However, what guides a lot of personal finance are behaviors, attitudes, habits, and how we're acting on a daily basis. Um, so the main problems that we see, right? People don't have a plan that guides them. Uh, they're making decisions after they're doing things, right? So, hey, I, I, I'm making this purchase. Now I'm going to decide how I'm going to pay for it. Um, their daily habits don't match with their goals because they don't really know what their goals are. And there's a lot of issues, you know, and I know uh, in the medical profession, this root cause is a big term, right? And I actually just went through this full body scan, a uh, uh, pre-nuvo scan, full body to proactively see, hey, what's going to happen? Am I at risk for cancer? They see any early cancer signs. Um, and, you know, so that was early detection. And oftentimes that, that will guide my planning as far as health. And I think as as uh, people, we don't plan ahead. So are we getting married? Are we going to have kids? Are we going to have to take care of mom or dad, right? All these are major decisions. Just having the kids a quarter million dollars over 18 years at minimum. Um, so there's some major decisions that aren't planned in advance. Um, so I think, hey, just having the basics, a plan and planning ahead would do a lot to solve people's major financial issues. Yeah, I love one of the things you talked about is the behaviors, you know, and we talk about that from a foundational standpoint is just knowing what your behavioral values are can help you to plan and make sure that the decisions about money that you make really reflect back to that and make sure that you're making those on a strategic method rather than a reactionary. And I think a lot of financial literacy can, can be done that way. So tell me a little bit of kind of the key insights of starting the National Financial Education Council. What's the mission and goal of that, and, and how do you all uh, get that out into the world? Our real goal is to help people work toward financial wellness, right? And we started young because behaviors start young. A study out of Brown University uh, of over 50,000 kids point to age nine when financial habits start, specifically around work ethic habits. Uh, so financial habits form young. Uh, we have advertisers, we have influencers, all really driving this consumerism mentality. We have their peers getting all these things. So at a young age, our behaviors are formed. So for kids, we want to help address that. For teens and young adults, we want to help them prepare for their near, uh, near life challenges, right? College, uh, moving out on their own, maybe buying a car, you know, those near-term uh, financial decisions that often put them behind the eight ball at a very young age. So we want to prepare them there. And for adults, it can go many ways. We have some people in recovery, some people doing well with a foundation, starting to think about retirement, other people pretty well set, right? And that are just looking for that next level. So really financial literacy expands through the ages and really all different people could benefit. It's just going to be unique for that person's situation. And that's what we want to help. We want to help those in communities that feel passionate about promoting and teaching financial wellness and help them build uh, local uh, programs to help and support others. Yeah, so you mentioned a, a large range of uh, age groups there. You're, there's also going to span different demographics, different uh, kind of relationships with money. So how do you help kind of teach financial literacy to all those different uh, vast majority of people when, you know, everybody's experience to that point is a little bit different? 
Yeah, each each is targeted. So uh, just as a doctor would go in and evaluate an individual on their own individual characteristics, we have educators that if they're teaching groups, they're trying to group them into similar categories. So we're going to have a class on paying off debt and people that are, you know, don't have debt aren't going to attend. Um, we also have coaches that work one-on-one with people so they can really dive into that individual's personal financial situation and give very highly targeted guidance, just like a doctor would do. Um, you're reviewing somebody, analyzing their blood work, and then and then uh, prescribing the sol- potential solutions that can help them best. And then, you know, with coaches, we're providing that accountability and support to provide that encouragement. So, you know, with kids and teens, it's pretty basic. Hey, behaviors, preparation for near-term life events with adults because it goes many different ways. Um, there there needs to be a more uh, hands-on approach to understanding the audience first if you're teaching groups and then uh, a more personalized uh, approach with the coaching and one-on-one consultations. Perfect. Well, I know financial literacy, in, in my opinion, is not just about managing money either. You, you mentioned debt. Uh, you know, there's a number of other uh, financial systems out there, institutions that you have to work with to kind of understand how money works. And so what's your advice for individuals who are just starting to kind of learn about kind of the complex world of finance? Yeah, I'd say focus on the basics first, right? And, and, and really to oversimplify this, right? We only need a few things. We need income, money coming in so we can pay our expenses, keeping those expenses down. But the holy grail of really everything is the amount you're able to save monthly, right? What are you able to save? We look at one thing called the savings rate ratio. So what's your income? How much are you saving of that? And I think that's really a great indicator of overall financial, uh, uh, foundational financial well-being. Are you able to save more than you're spending? So that's a very basic, right? Now, when we get into investing and growth, yeah, there's some complexities there. Hey, where where's your risk? Uh, you know, uh, how do you feel on the risk management side? What are you interested in? How active do you want to be involved in those investments? But from a foundational level, if people just focus on how much they're able to save monthly, and I would look at that on an annualized basis because, hey, you know, sometimes people are not planning for those annual expenses car registration, gym memberships, other things. So they're, they're able to save January, February. Oh, great. I saved, you know, I'm, I'm plus 500 a month. And then uh, March comes and then those bills come, they're negative 2000, right? So we need to kind of look at that from an annualized level, but Hey, if you're able to save money each and every month, that's a great start and a very simplistic way to measure that. Um, and there's things that we can do to get there. It's not just focus on income, um, but hey, how do we reduce the expenses? Maybe uh, negotiate better interest rates, improve credit to reduce interest rates. So there's some complexities in there. But the overall barometer that I like to see: Are you able to save each month? That's perfect. So it sounds kind of like uh, one of the things I always relate to is the financial pyramid. Guess you gotta have the foundational things about money first, and then you can kind of start building up those building blocks on top of it to get to the more complex situations. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it, it may not be the sexiest or most exciting. And that's why we see do see a lot of people jump from not doing that foundation to investing. You know, crypto, that sounds exciting. This, this sounds exciting. I can relate. When I started out, I bought a real estate at 19. I was investing in the stock market early based on tips my buddies would tell me. I had some businesses. So I was always kind of high flying. Wanted, that was exciting to me. I love reading about real estate. I love reading about these things. 
Um, and I did not focus on my foundations. I didn't really understand. I had kind of an idea of the budget. I didn't have a written, I didn't have a written long-term plan. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people get caught up with, especially in today's age where there's cool YouTube videos and you have a great YouTube channel, by the way, cool YouTube videos, TikToks, where it's like they're showing their you know, investment grow from crypto. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> we'll forget about the budget. We'll forget about the credit. Let's go into crypto, right? So I think we're battling uh, that um, now. I always say, hey, we're going to get you there, but let's build that foundation first. Let's make sure you have that risk capital, that good credit, that debt paid off. And then let's start to explore these other things that you're excited about. That's awesome. Well, I, one of the things that go hand in hand, I think, with uh, financial literacy is also your your health. You know, we always talk a lot about health and wealth uh, and tend to be that they fit hand in hand. So tell me a little bit about that. I know it's, it comes up a little bit in your financial literacy is is talking a little bit about the health as well. I think it's very critical uh, from many standpoints. You know, if we look at the income side from a productivity standpoint, the ability to work, the ability to, to you know, do the, the tasks that you need to earn money, that's a big thing. If your health isn't there, there's problems, right? Um, from a mental standpoint, right? Hey, if your health is in, in jeopardy, um, you're, you're not able to concentrate on other things in, in life, like earning, cutting back, you know, your focus there. Um, and just from a long-term care perspective, too, if we look at longevity rates of, of life, you know, the, the, the bottom uh, uh, lower socioeconomic live shorter than the top highest socioeconomic. Why? Because they have better care. Typically, they have access to better food, um, better things of that nature, right? They're able to do those things that maybe somebody wouldn't like. I took that pre-nuvo body scan. Um, you know, it's 2,500 bucks, but I know, hey, I want to catch any cancer indicators early. I do full blood work that's not covered. I have to pay for that, right? So I think these things are are, are, are things that are critical um, for me to focus on, on my business. Um, but I think for others, it, it really drains them down. And we see that I've talked to many people that are kind of stuck in that system where they're, you know, weekly going to doctors even more often. Um, I've, uh, my aunt now, she's going through cancer treatments, just like it beats her up for two, three days. She's not able to do much. And it's, it's a tough one. She's very strong though. But, um, um, you know, it's just like, it, it can really wear on, uh, the mentality, the, the finances and other areas that are, are, are really critical to overall health and wellness. And, and when I talk about finance, I always talk about wellness, right? And to me, wellness includes money, relationship, um, health and, and other aspects, emotional well-being and so forth. But I think, hey, if you have money, you can address many of these other areas because you can position yourself for better health. Take those vitamins, you know, get the gym membership and afford those things that will help uh, build your health as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, similar track is a lot of your health uh, is learned things from your youth as well. And so the earlier that you can start both the health and the wealth and even the relationships and, and mental health, I think all of that goes hand in hand. The earlier you form good habits, it makes a lot of difference in our long-term approach as well. Love that. I so, definitely agree. And you see it very often out there. And, you know, hey, once you get behind on something, it's harder to dig yourself out of a hole. It's easier to kind of step around it, much harder to dig yourself out. Yeah, exactly right. So as the CEO of the NFEC, um, I know you've gone through a lot of different kind of innovative approaches and kind of testing uh, to see how different strategies work. Are there any particular strategies or programs that you have found to be highly effective 
uh, in promoting financial literacy. And it's probably going to be a, a little bit of a loaded question because obviously different age groups uh, are, are going to be a little bit different. But any ones that have worked better than others? Yeah, I say make the fun where we always promote, hey, aligning financial literacy with life stages. So if I'm going into high school, I'm not going to teach budgeting or financial literacy 101. In fact, financial literacy won't even come off my, my, my lip, right? I'm going to teach how to move out on your own and gain financial independence, right? How to make your own rules so you don't have to listen to mom and dad, right? That's what the, a high school senior one, a sophomore might want, um, how to buy a car, right? So we're, we're leveraging this motivation for life stages um, to really guide, especially the younger uh, people. Now, when we get to adults, I think it's more targeted on where their interest lies. The biggest, uh, one of the most uh, important reasons that people actually want to learn something is because there's either a massive amount of pain behind it currently, or they're so excited for the future. Let me give you an example. So if you know, somebody's feeling a massive amount of pain because they're going to be evicted from their home because they're behind on, on some bills and maybe in, in debt, they're going to be in a position where they're going to feel more comfortable to attend an event on paying off debt or go talk to a financial coach about that, right? Um, until that pain is there, it's procrastination. You don't want to face it, right? And I know in the health industry, it's a lot too. Hey, I think I'm okay. I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to know what I don't know. Um, <laughs> And, and with the other side, hey, there's excitement about the future. For instance, somebody wants to buy a home, right? Somebody's excited. Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy a home. I'm going to go get some education or, or maybe, hey, now I'm, I have my uh, risk capital. I'm debt free. Now I want to invest in crypto. I want to learn this. So there's some excitement behind that. So I think making financial literacy less financial literacy in more life stage base where we can generate some reasons and excitement and for people to learn. That's what we really focus on. And that's where we see a lot of the success of our graduates. Do you also see, uh, you know, families learning together? Is that helpful? So from all age groups, you know, husband, wife, kind of everybody trying to do that as a family uh, can be more successful than just having, you know, seven-year-old bring home stuff to mom and dad. Uh, you know, how does that kind of turn out? In practice, yeah, I think when we're when we're dealing with kids, I think it's critical. Parents are enlisting the kids, and I'm a big proponent. We have, actually have a a program for chores for kids, um, so the kids are getting the habit of earning money. So they're working in uh, you know understanding. Hey, I need to work to earn. Um, they're saving for the uh, obviously the fun things that they want in the near term, but also putting money away for savings in the long term. So and also paying expenses uh, of the household. So they're, from a young age, we're putting them on training wheels to, for financial independence by having them contribute to the household expenses. Now, when they're real little, it might be for the house, the car. Um, as they're older, high school and so forth, they're paying a portion of all the bills. So they're really seeing what's out there and what they can expect in the real world. Um, so I think for, for uh, uh, families with kids, it's critical. Now, when we get to adults, it gets a little more complex sometimes So, because sometimes there's somebody really motivated to, to want to learn and make a change right now. And sometimes there's a partner that's not. Um, so, you know, in those cases, uh, I would say hey, that partner that's that's super motivated to, to do it, follow your own path and, and, and bring that in and, and try to, you know, show some positive progress to enlist the other uh, uh, person. Um, but uh, other times, you know, the ideal situation, especially in a coaching situation is when they're both committed toward that. We see a lot faster results. 
And it's always awkward in a coaching situation where one person's motivated, the other person isn't, because then you're kind of like a marriage counselor in some cases. So those are yep. little awkward situations. But, um, you know, it, it's there's a lot of different uh, varieties. But if you have kids, it's really critical. Uh, enlist, start chores at a young age. Also, just get your kids exposed on a regular basis. If you're picking one can of soup over another for a certain reason, let them know, hey, I'm looking at the cost per ounce, right? Or, hey, you know, when you're going meeting with your banker or insurance person, bring them in so they're getting used to these professional relationships. So you don't have to be a formal teacher to, to teach your kids. Just enlist them and, and involve them in these real-life experiences that will be teachable moments for them. That's fantastic. I think you, you touched on one thing kind of inadvertently there, too, is I always tell uh, clients that financial planning is half math and science and half behavioral uh, kind of psychology. And so the more that you can get some of those things to, to come together uh, is helpful. But it, a lot of times in a partnership, it takes both people to be at the table to get that done the right way. So it's always interesting. True, and you bring up a good point, too. Some people are more analytical. Right. They like the numbers. I'm, I'm a number guy. I like numbers, charts, what's going on. Other people, they're, they're not like that. Right. So we need to look at our communication style, too, and really adopt that uh, communication that they like more. Um, some people like to reflect more or, or talk about it or, you know, present these big picture ideas where other people, hey, like the numbers, dollars and cents. So as an educator coach, we need to adopt the way we communicate, but also within couples and relationships, you should know how your partner likes to communicate and try to get on that same level, right? So um, to, to have these uh, open and frank discussions about finances, which is often overlooked. We used to do when, when I was a first rookie in this going back almost two decades ago, um, when some of my first adult events, we'd sit couples up back to back and we'd have them write their financial goals um, and then turn around and discuss them. And that caused a lot of friction because the, some people were married 20 plus years and their goals were completely different, right? They're on completely different. It's like, did, did you live together for the last 20 years? Um, and their, their goals were completely different. Um, so um, I think, you know, the more that they can just have even basic discussions about their future goals, hey, what are their plans with their finances? I think that's a critical first step for couples. As a physician, you are dedicated to helping your patients. So who's helping you with your own financial health? I'm Brent Bowden, a certified financial planner and author of a new book, The Physician's Financial Checkup. In my book, I'll show you how to take control of your finances, set realistic goals, create a budget that works for you, invest in your future, protect your assets, and much more. So if you're ready to achieve financial freedom, then The Physician's Financial Checkup is the book for you. You can order it now on Amazon Kindle, paperback, and audiobook coming soon. Check the link below in the description to get your copy today of The Physician's Financial Checkup, financial advice and education for medical professionals. So let's kind of shift a little bit. So financial landscape globally is ever-changing uh, yeah. all the time. And so how important is it, even if you're really good about your personal finances, is to keep up with kind of the changing landscape of financial knowledge and skills? Uh, and how do you kind of recommend people to stay informed about it? those changes yeah um you know it, it depends if you're interested in it that's one thing i think most people don't have an interest in that or a lot um, um so uh, what i tell them is hey to, to lay out your plan lay out your goals then focus on what you need to do now if you're in debt your credit's bad that's your primary so i always look at the important and urgent scale 
what's in the important and urgent side of things and let's address those right and keep uh, people that that you may not have an interest in personal finance very highly focused and focus on completing small uh, uh, but impactful uh, steps toward improving that um, and then working down the scale in a very succinct and effective way now if, if for those that have an interest in that hey finding those people that you like to watch and, and learn from podcasts like yours uh, you know maybe some uh, um, uh, you know other other types of uh, uh, things like uh, blogs uh, whatever however you like to learn authors uh, live events finding those ways you like to learn and, and just keeping out there and on top of things you know the the, the one thing that's consistent is the future is always uncertain we don't know what's going to happen you know covid popped up out of the blue uh we have record inflation that wasn't out of the blue i, I knew that years in advance i saw them printing money so that that was kind of writing was on the wall there um but there's things that hey if, especially if you're investing in the markets of any market you need to keep on top of that I say you should know as much, uh, at, maybe not as much, but uh, close uh, to the amount as your financial advisor, so you can have some intelligent conversations with them. What we find is when people don't have that knowledge and information, they'll hear something from an advisor, they may act on it, but then at two, three in the morning, they'll, they're like, hey, should I be doing this? Is this right? And then they'll go call, and I, I was in that role for a while, and they'll call, hey, why do we do this? Oh, this is why. Okay, oh yeah, I remember. So you need to keep on top of that and be able to have some intelligent, frank conversations with your advisor and just know what you're into and, and you know, always evaluate your risk and, 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 and your, how you're feeling about the risk and the stage of life. Um, and times of life change quite a bit. Maybe you get a big raise. Well, it's time to reevaluate some things. Or maybe, hey, you just pay off your student loan debt. Hey, now it's time to reevaluate. Where's this added money to go? So it's an ever-changing landscape, not only on the, the macro level, but your personal micro level as certain things are happening. Um, so get used to setting regular time aside uh, to reviewing your finances, having those conversations with your financial professionals. Don't just wait till you know uh, mid-April uh, to go talk to your tax advisor. That conversation should be done early. Uh, have regular conversations with your financial advisor, other people that uh, you consider important. Um, and I think that is a, is a good game plan um, uh, to, to give you some framework, and you can play with that uh, based on your personal needs. Fantastic. So if people are listening and they're educators or parents uh, active in their community, you know, how would they kind of reach out to your organization to better support financial literacy initiatives, uh, maybe in their schools or their community? Yeah, yeah. You can reach us at financialeducatorscouncil.org. That's our website. You can reach out to me personally. My name's Vince Shorb on LinkedIn. Uh, that's my only social channel. And um, really, we're, you know, we're, in, uh, again, national in 60 countries, but we're building out our state chapters. We've uh, launched three state chapters, California, Ohio, Florida. Um, we have Massachusetts and um, Texas next. Uh, we plan on being in all 50 states here within two years. So if you have an interest in building a local financial education program or interest in coaching others locally. Um, really, if you just have a passion for promoting greater financial wellness among your peers and citizens, we'd love to hear from you, love to connect. And if we can support your group at all, if you have an interest and we, you need some support, let us know as well. Great. And you all have a lot of the resources already kind of built out to help people kind of walk through what they need to know and then how to also educate others along this line. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so our goal isn't just to, you know, provide training. We want to provide everything that we learn the hard way. So when we started out, we were boots on the ground, conducting programs, making mistakes, learning. And that was about the first three years. And we started to have these real big events with celebrities, sports stars, thousand plus attendees. And then people started to ask, hey, how do you do that? So we want to not only pass on the knowledge, but also the processes, procedures, the marketing, the handouts, really everything you need to execute a program. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I know I'm on one email this morning that I've been back and forth on for over a couple hours because it's important. It's going out to a lot of people that I, that I respect. Um, so it's like, I want to make sure that's right. So we've had to do that on all of our material because we're out there utilizing it. Um, and, and really, we want to pass on the process procedure systems so people can scale these quickly so they can start making an impact and really do what they're they're focused on. And and the nice thing about, you know, uh, this company is is we get to talk to so many people, you know, it might be a pastor on in the morning, then it's a nonprofit leader, then it's a financial service professional, then it's a college and it's a, a school. So it's a, then an entrepreneur, right? So you get to talk to so many people, but they all share one united passion for financial literacy, which is great. I think it's a movement that really brings people together across all lines, uh, you know, Democrat, Republican, any other of those barriers they try to create out there. Um, and, and it's a, something that most people agree, hey, we need to do better in educating kids and making sure that people are, are prepared for the financial realities of life. And, and that's our mission. Well, I want to kind of leave you with one last question. That I think is kind of interesting. Um, so we've talked a lot about financial literacy and education, and I think there's a lot of people that are just trying to figure out how to do that the right way. But as we look into the future of financial literacy, you know, there are more school districts and uh, groups that are wanting that to be something that you learn throughout school, which has never been a part when when you and I were going. Uh, what do you see the future of financial literacy education and training look like down the road? Yeah, that's a big part of our initiative right now. We actually wrote the framework uh, uh, and standards for legislatures that are enacting these bills. What we see currently, they'll enact bills that don't align with best practices, right? So, um, you know, they'll, they'll say, okay, you need 10 hours of education. You know, it's going to be integrated in a math class. The math teacher is not going to be trained um, where they're very analytical. They don't know about the behavioral side. So, um, although, you know, I always thank and appreciate all those leaders that have driven this into schools. There's about uh, 25, about half the states right now have some type of financial literacy uh, mandates, um, but it's not enough. Um, and really, you know, you think about trying to speak a foreign language, Spanish after you know, 10 to 20 hours of training. You're not going to be able to habla espanol bien, right? That's two years of Spanish. So, um, you know, it, it's it's with personal finance, it needs to start young. It needs to have the rigor. We need to have qualified teachers doing that, retrain the existing teachers so they understand the behavioral aspects. There needs to be testing, uh, curriculum that's preparing them for these near-term life stages, right? I mean, just one simple thing is, you're going to get student loans at 17 or 18. You need to know how that's going to be paid back, interest rates. You need to know those details. Um, so we're we're really promoting higher standards and rigor across that. We're working with legislatures right now in promoting this, this higher standard. So I want every kid to graduate with the ability to make near-term financial decisions so they don't get in trouble like I did and like many other people did. Um, and so they can, you know, get off on the right foot so they can start saving early so they have a, a vision of their future come true, that dream life they want 
earlier. So yeah, those financial literacy mandates, I think are important, but we could do a lot to improve them. And that's where we're at working toward uh, on a daily basis right now. That's awesome. Well, to piggyback on that, I said that was my last one, but I came up with one more. Are there any particular uh, apps or websites that you steer kind of parents to if they're trying to get some basics for their kids to, to start learning at home? Um, you know, I, I always tell people, find what you like and your kids like. Now, there's some things that are more gamified, which are cool, but it's like lower learning skill sets, which are fine, but that's not going to do it. I think the biggest thing for parents is that involvement. Uh, we have that chore uh, uh, program. It's free. We we don't we give it out free because we want that involved. And so, uh, so I always suggest, hey, any way parents can be involved but then also finding those things that you, you and your kids enjoy doing together, right? Um, um, you know, some people might be the more artistic side and, and like things along that. Some other might be the more gamified. Other people want to attend some local events where there's some movement, some interactions. So find out how you like to learn. The other thing I highly encourage parents to do is discuss careers with your kids early if they have an interest, say, in, in um, you know, being, uh, you know, doing a podcast. Well, Take them to a podcast studio, show how they market or, um, you know, if they have an interest in BMX, right? You don't just have to be a pro BMX rider. You can be at the, you know, selling, you know, gear. You could be making helmets. So exposing them to a lot of careers early, I think, is a, a big thing, too, because uh, most most people enter school without uh, knowledge of what they want, college, without knowledge of where they want to go. So they were, they're wasting a few years building up student loan debt um, and, and don't have that direction. So parents, and it's fun, you can get out there and active with your kids, experiencing those things, those potential career paths with them. Um, but I think uh, all those are, are good. And just looking for those teachable moments, have those conversations. You don't have to be a formal teacher. You can just have those conversations with your kids and it will go a long way. That's fantastic. I love getting the kids involved in just the daily things that we have to do with our finances and helps them get a little piece by piece. So Vince, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Certainly love everything that you're doing at NFEC and applaud you for your hard work in the financial literacy space. Uh, I've been doing it for a long time and it's paying off and we'd love to see that. Brent, I appreciate you. Uh, great job. I've seen your YouTube channel pop up many times. So awesome job getting out there. And again, this is a form of education. So, you know, it's a, it's a, I appreciate your involvement and efforts in the space as well. Thanks a lot. Hope you have a great day. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Physician Financial Checkup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. You can also find more information on brentboden.com. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as financial advice. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of any other individual or organization. You should carefully consider your investment objectives, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment decisions. If you are seeking financial advice, you should consult with a qualified financial advisor who can assess your individual circumstances and needs.